Welcome to Tamar Talks, where music is constant and discovery is endless. Now your host is ready to tell it all. Ashley Tamar! Hey you guys, what's up? It's your girl Ashley Tamar. It is Friday. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. It is December the 11th. I cannot believe it's taken me so long to talk to you guys about a Tamar Talks podcast. Um, So much has happened throughout this year. I know we are all just excited that it is almost over and done with, but here we are towards the ending and the last days of 2020. This is a fun podcast. I'm a special shout out to Dez, my girl from Houston, Texas, saying in the Kanye West Sunday Collective. Um, She is killing it on The Voice. You go, girl. And she's from Houston, and she is slaying on there. So, y'all, if you're watching The Voice, if you have not watched The Voice, please go and support my girl, Dez. And then um, this episode is is just an ode to just an overview of the year, speaking to a dear friend of mine who has so much insight into what we really can be doing to see some serious change, regardless of what age you are. Special shout out to Deborah Cox. God, you look great, oh my gosh. And um, you are still singing all the notes, like what is happening right now? Um, I got a chance to watch her on Wendy Williams and I was just blown away at like, how, how great she looks. She has a family. She has a beautiful, beautiful children. She's been married for 26 plus years. And I started thinking about as a black artist, independent artist, you guys have heard me talk about it from sunup to sundown about it and the joys and the perils that come with it. And I started looking at Deborah Cox's life and Wendy Williams said something so integral, which is she has a career. She still looks good, no stress it looks like. She knows how to have some private life keeping to her and her family and she understands the joys and the perils that comes with the business and she knows when to give it all and when to kind of take back and seclude herself and regroup and I thought like as an artist why have I never just mentioned her name as someone that I look up to and it wasn't until I saw her on the Wendy Williams show I was like wow she has a serious career she looks happy she looks joyful which is another thing that I applaud and she looks like she knows that she's in her lane and her lane is defined by what she makes of it so a special shout out to Deborah Cox and then of course you guys have been seeing in the news about Chance the Rapper oh my gosh like if you haven't been seeing about it from the Taylor Swift to the Kanye West to the Prince and now Chance the Rapper and basically he's supposedly getting sued and I'm just blown away once again by the education and the lack thereof how people can take something and explore the story and My heart goes out to Chance the Rapper and even his management team and what he's trying to do and modify himself and redefine himself and his music. And But there's a lot that goes into these contracts, you guys. And once again, as an independent artist, I've said it before, it really takes a team and collateral and money to push a brand. And I remember when I first heard that he was doing it by himself and I kept saying, but no, he can't be doing it by himself. Like he has merchandise that is selling out of the roof and it costs money to just print up the merchandise, right? And so, my heart goes out to Chance the Rapper and his management team. I wish them all the best to that everyone gets compensated. And, you know, there's contracts and agreements and all kind of things of who owes who and what we verbally disagreed on. And, you know, I've, I working with Prince, for an example, I never had an agreement with him. Um, and I, I don't have any remorse about that and any regret. It actually made our relationship and our business relationship really, really thrive. But there are times where you really have to have things in black and white. And then even people breach those too. So my hats go off to Chance the Rapper. And my hats go off to you guys who have pushed through it all. I want to encourage you. I got some inbox messages about um, writing a vision and really sticking to it and You know, once again, when you have a vision, you have to just use every day and dedicate towards that vision. It's that simple. Trust me, I've had days where I've done absolutely nothing. I've had days where I've not written anything down. I've not sang a note. I've not picked up an instrument. I have not listened to music. I've not been on social media and it's okay. It's okay to have that time for yourself. But I also believe you must dedicate time every single time you can to what you want to do if that's research online if that's creating a database of people that you want to follow or people that you admire or reaching out to someone on social media and saying hey I really admire your work you know is there any 
advice you can give, you'll be surprised at how many people are really wanting to help, especially right now. And so I want to just encourage you guys as we go to the close of another year to not look at this new year as a resolution. I have been saying for a minute now, I don't want what pre-COVID looked like to be what post-COVID is. I want to really see a new Ashley in my thought and how even, for instance, how I've been eating. I started a cleanse December 1st and I said, you know, I want to have a new relationship with food. I don't want to look better. Of course, I've suffered from acne for a long time. Of course, my skin looks way better because of it. But I didn't want to do this for a role or for an opportunity or for someone else. I wanted to do it with a relationship, a newfound relationship with food. So I'm saying that to say just start small. Start where you are. If you need a relationship to be mended, start texting them. Start calling them. If you need to send an email, start doing that. If you need to follow up with someone you haven't heard from in a long time, maybe you're not calling them and wanting something from someone, but maybe you're calling them because you just re- want to just say, hey, you crossed my mind. I just wanted to say hi. And so today's episode is kind of dedicated to just re-awareness, aligning with a dear friend of mine, Andre Robinson. I'm going to play some new music from myself that is spinning on WBLS. Special shout out to DJ Sir Charles Dixon is killing it over there on the East Coast. Thank you so so much. Um, and then um, I just want you guys to just relax and rest in the promises of God and and really, really, really dedicate your life to just seeing change, not for just for yourself, but how you see change in other people and wanting to see the good in everything. And if there's something that you see that is not right, make sure you bring it up and make sure you sound the alarm about it and do it tastefully because you'll be surprised at how many people actually agree with you and you'll find some allies in that same ideal and topic. It's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Thanks for joining me on Tamar Talks Podcast. 2021 is coming with so many fun ideas, but before we get into this interview with Andre Robinson, I got a new song for you. I want to know if you've ever heard this song. To all my folks that's an 80s baby, y'all already know what song it is. It is Don't Make Me Over by me, your girl Ashley Tamar, and you are the first to hear it. This is the Tamar Podcast. The way I love 
guys. What's up? It's your girl, Ashley Tamar. I am so excited. I have been trying to figure out how to revise, revamp the Tamar Talks podcast. And I've known this man. He is so knowledgeable. I swear in everything. Like he's like a living dictionary, encyclopedia, and Google all in one. I don't know if you have anyone like that in your life, but I think you should get it. <laughs> and um, his name oh, is Andre yeah. Robinson. And we just, <laughs> we've just been talking so much about the pandemic. I've been telling him a lot that's going on in my career. He's talking about a lot of things that's happening for him and the fellow Baltimoreans. Is that even a word? I don't even know if that's, that's a, a word. word. That's oh, a word. word. That's a word? Okay, cool. Baltimoreans. Word. And so I finally was just like, we were talking so, so much good nuggets that I was like, okay, let's stop, let's put a pin in it, and let's talk about it on the podcast. So you guys will be hearing from him, like, this is just the beginning. So we're going to try to narrow this podcast down as much as possible. But please welcome to Tay My Talks podcast. Eventually, we're going to have one together. You guys ain't even ready. But his name is Andre Robinson. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. So I'm <laughs> really so glad to be here finally. Because we talk a lot. Ooh. We just talk a lot. Wait. Gosh, he just, I think he just read me, you guys. Okay. I did. Well, we're going to keep did. this light and easy because I promise yeah. you, if I give you too much of Andre right now, you're going to be like, okay, I need a pen and paper every time he's on. So right now we're going to, I'm just going to let Andre take the floor. Um, I asked him right before this whole call, what should we talk about? And Andre said, mm-hmm. we should just talk about the culture at large. And then eventually mm-hmm. we'll narrow it down to specific facts. We're not coming on here with our just our opinions. We're coming on here with facts, all right? We've all been affected by COVID, every single one of us. And so we are here to talk about the culture pre-COVID, what it has done for the culture, and moving forward, solutions for the culture. So, Andre, take it away. Well, that's, uh, that's a pretty heavy lift. I'm not sure that uh, I can do anything other than offer uh, some opinions. But those opinions, I think, are informed by uh, quite a long time in my world working in the culture, um, in theater and music particularly, and TV and film. And so if you, if you live long enough, you'll see, you'll see trends that will happen. And I think there's a very particularly interesting one that we're in the middle of right now as uh, social media has dominated, as um, we're in the middle of still unfortunately in the middle of a uh, of uh, this recent election it's almost over and, and we're certainly um hopeful about what's next but we're also facing this extraordinary um impact from a global pandemic and a crisis which of course like most crises um open up many opportunities for us to examine some things so i think predicated on what you and i have been talking about i think one of the things that we've been narrowing in on and I'm, you know, there's some things that, you know, I offer my own opinions on them. So that's really all they are, really, is that a kind of a, a, a coarsening of culture that I worry more and more about what we're handing over to successive generations. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember the music of my parents and even my grandparents because there was a historical context to the movements that were happening when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s and, and on into the 90s when I was in my, uh, you know, professional career. And so there was still, there was still black music divisions. There were still jazz divisions. A lot of the, the giants of jazz were still around. There was a lot of terrestrial radio where you could hear a broad uh, selection of music. And then in the 90s and, and on into the aughts, I started to hear less and less of those kinds of things and started to become a little bit alarmed that you could ask younger people than me, well, what about, you know, this artist? It didn't even have to be, you know, somebody that, that preceded them by generations like a Billie Holiday. You could ask about Phyllis Hyman and questions would be like, mm, no, I kind of sort of heard of her, but not really. And it's like, wow, now that's a problem. Um, because when your culture gets commodified to that degree, which has always been a problem for us, of course, but there were places where you knew when you were sitting with the giants of, of any era, they could really sing, they could really play, they could dance, they could act, they could do whatever they were really doing. But now we've reached this phase where on one side, the good side is that there's a democratization of that, right? Anybody can kind of sort of get their stuff out there and, and produce things independently. 
but are we also then losing standards? Are we losing quality? You know what I mean? By not being able to say, uh, I see you're able to put it up and get a thousand likes, but is it really good? Are you ready yet to have the attention of well, the general public? So that's one. Those are some of the things I've been wrestling with. Well, one of the things that you guys, um, Andre and I have been talking about is, um, as you can see on my social media, there is a voting thing that's happening for South by Southwest, and Andre has helped me curate my takeaways and my topics. And this is where we kind of really started talking, which is what he was saying about the longevity, the generational wealth. I love that term because it is barely, rarely used until now. And um, as an artist, I can only speak from things that I know. And we were talking about from the beginning of where music started from, how a lot of black artists in particular were always undermined. And that, that hasn't changed. I mean, no matter yeah. if you like Kanye West or not, if you like Prince or not, when artists sound the alarm, even if you read some of the Aretha Franklin, you know, biographies, she That's even right. tries to voice her opinion during her punished. time. And, they, mm-hmm. and you get punished and you were told a lot of times, don't talk, just stay an artist. And what mm-hmm. we have discovered, the COVID situation, as bad as and uncomfortable and transitional it has been, it has been one of the most transparent moments that Andre and I have both agreed that we've seen. And from the artist standpoint, it is a sounding of the alarm of the lack of wealth because of so many of the aggregators happening in the industry, which makes mm-hmm. it it's so thin for artists to, especially artists that are Black, to really generate some wealth. Whereas mm-hmm. when I started working with Prince, my royalty checks were very substantial, but that was strictly from mechanical royalties, which was the tangible sell of records. So when you look at how much we've been bamboozled and bombarded with this new form of fame, when it equates to having your bills paid, it's zero. And so the culture is completely affected. We're not Mm -hmm. educating each other. We're not talking about it. We are even, we're not even on the radio. If you listen to mainstream radio, that's Mm -hmm. where the royalties really are. But because Mm -hmm. we've been lied to to get our numbers up and our social media up, it has affected the culture. So that's one side of it. I want Andre to talk about, though, some things that he's been dealing with on the East Coast as it comes to affecting the culture when it comes to housing. He just has some great insights, mm -hmm. you know, to some solutions. So I want you to talk about that as well. Yeah, I think that all of those things are, of course, related because, you know, of course, we didn't buy enough radio stations, so therefore you won't have any impact once once that becomes just a commodity and things get packaged and syndicated and so forth and so on. You'll have a handful of stars, and then the rest of it will be under the control because we started as a commodity, if you have a historical context on these things. And so it will affect everything that we're doing, our housing, our food, where, where the quality of our neighborhoods. Uh, the quality of our discourse with each other. Um, there'll be these narrow little pipelines that this one is allowed to go through. And these are not new things, right? These are things that have been with us for a long time that you get permission because you're so desperate to be in the majority culture, to be at that table with them, that you'll almost do anything, including betray your own people and your own ideals and your own principles to get in that room. So therefore, if the prevalent... Um, uh, if, the, if the prevalent attitude is that, well, you know, those are just artists, they're a dime a dozen, we cheat them when we can, and you want to be desperately a part of that, you know, you, know, you, want, you want a boardroom with, uh, you want to be in the boardroom and have a corner table in the office as well, then um, uh, you will go along after a while if you let your principles be compromised. Um, so we have a very special burden as a people um, and I say it's a special burden, and it is a little bit of a burden. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor as well, but it's also a bit of a burden, right, so that anything we do, the entire culture is judged against that thing that we're doing or not doing, if you will, as, as the case may be. So uh, we're specifically working here in Baltimore to try to um, recover and rehabilitate uh, very distressed neighborhoods neighborhoods that were formerly occupied by very wealthy Baltimoreans because of the, not only this city, but this region's long history of, uh, you know, racist, anti-black assault on anything that we try to do, any enterprise that we try to build, those, those, those consistent attacks, and I call them that because that's what they were. It was sometimes visited by violence, 
and sometimes just the quiet violence of keeping you out of a job, keeping you out of school, keeping you out of a certain neighborhood and so on and so on, so you can't advance, so therefore you can't build wealth, so you can't acquire things, so you can't band your money together and go out and buy a bank, and the bank can then buy 17 radio stations. I mean, it's kind of tied together in a, in a chain, if you will. Um, and I'm not saying it's too late to do anything about those things, but the reason why we're concentrating on Baltimore right now is because real estate is relatively inexpensive compared to any place around. Um, I've been doing, uh, you know, cultural placemaking for many, many decades now. Um, started in uh, D.C. Uh, with a group revitalizing the Lincoln Theater when it was dark and boarded up around there and distressed and just crime and drug addicts and so forth and so on, and couldn't convince anybody to buy the houses in the neighborhood when they were selling for it, just like they are in Baltimore, back taxes. And the same stories repeated in Philly and Houston and Harlem and Oakland and many other places, right? It, we, the, the operative thing was to get out of the hood. So you leave it behind, forgetting that the hood is usually right next to downtown or right next to transit or right next to something that's undesirable from a previous generation. And then they go, oh, look who we discovered. And nobody's, nobody, quote, unquote, lives here. Um, so even though there may be people there, there, be, there will be people who will generally be viewed as powerless. And so you buy up those neighborhoods. You just wait out or move out the rest of the indigenous population that's there. And this has been proven to be very effective, not only in cities, but all over the country, right? We've had our land stolen. Other previous generations of, of indigenous people have had their land stolen from them. And when you're stealing land, you're also stealing the resources on or under that land. So at so some point or another, the culture is affected by all those forces hitting us at the same time. But so my audience is, is mainly younger, right? And so okay. to not give them too much in this one, because um, we can talk forever <laughs> about the redlining and all that stuff, and, I, and a lot of sure. people are talking about it. But how can I get my audience to get more active and more involved? And, and so the question, the reason why I'm asking this question, mm-hmm. you guys, is because Andre knows how passionate I am about getting the word out regardless of your age. And we, we need to start asking those questions within our own homes, like, hey, mom, are we in compliance with this? Are we, you know, at jeopardy of losing this? Like, what mm-hmm. can people in the demographic of my followers really start to stay abreast on? Like, for me, I feel like this was the best time I was speaking, speaking to my publishing company, and they were making it a, I said, how are you guys doing during this pandemic? And they said, you know, we're good. I said, well, how? and she gave me a little bit of more information. She said, I'm very surprised. She said, because a lot of artists that we don't hear from that are on our roster are making sure that their music is in compliance and like meaning mm-hmm. their song splits are ready. Their copyrights mm-hmm. are ready. They have sure. the right names on the songs that they, mm-hmm. they're making sure that their songs are registered with us. They're making sure they're registered with sound exchange. And I, sure. it blew my mind. I was like, wow, like I knew I was doing that. But it was interesting to hear someone from the inside say, yeah, we are amazed to see how many people are really trying to make sure things are, quote, unquote, in order. So before we leave, Andre, can you give some tidbits to this generation how to get sure. things in order when it comes to educating yourself now? And, not, and, and if your parents or grandparents or whoever have not left you an inheritance, how can you start now to build it, whether that's educating yourself? whether that's saving a dollar a day, what can people today during this time start to do to prepare themselves for either another unknown or for a better mental stability security? Well, it's an excellent question. And, you know, fortune goes to the prepared. And so I think that if ever there is a time to do exactly what you're talking about doing, which is educating yourself, and generally, you want to start with where you are right now. Now, there's, a, there's almost a bit of a prejudice that we'll have in the generational split between my generation and the, and the generation of your audiences because information was more hidden in those days. You really had to dig for it, and you had to talk with a 1,000 people and so forth and so on. Now, almost everything that you're going to need to know is, a, is as close as your cell phone, right, for most people. If you know how to search you know how search works, and if you don't, somebody who does is on YouTube right now teaching you how to search. 
And so there won't be very many excuses for not preparing ourselves. But one of the most important things I think that we could do is really learn the fundamentals of cooperative economics. And I'm going to underscore that, cooperative economics. It's how we got ahead in any generation that we've ever faced. If we got ahead in any way, we got ahead by being able to cooperate with each other despite all of the you know, the, the conventional wisdom about black people don't work together, blah, 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 blah. It was illegal for us to work together. And so we did it anyway. And we got together in churches because churches were the only institution that were had pretty much under our control. And there's a lot, and listen, there's a lot of troubling things that happen in churches. And I'm not a big fan of them not cooperating with each other. I often think, you know, on Sunday, how much money is collected in black tithing across the country. It's got to be hundreds of millions of dollars. And where does it go? Does it go to a black bank in which you can then have a vote on what that black bank buys? Probably not. So we need to really start to think about the value. And I put this charge particularly at the feet of young people because they're smarter than ever before. They really literally have more access than ever before. And they and their peers, whether we like it or not, are going to inherit trillions of dollars over the next 10 to 20 years. So in that regard, should we not be really reaching across and and making a cooperative uh, kind of platform for ourselves so that knowledge, information, financial resources, social resources, and so forth and so on, we find allies and partners and places where we can liberate ourselves because it really does depend on the complicity of people who went, ah, you know, that, that doesn't really matter. Or ah, I'm not going to really vote because, you know, they're both the same. It's not. And if you do that, it's like Chris Rock said, you're keeping it real, but you're keeping it real dumb. So this is the time well, to start digging in well, and finding out where you are and what you need to, to know about, you know, stuff that we can do that's within our power. Well, I, I you guys – First of all, cooperative economics. Like the first time I heard that was with Andre, and I didn't know that what I was saying was that actual term. And Mm. what he's saying is what we talk about all the time. It is time out. We've got to press each other, and we've got to really rely on each other. Meaning if we ask questions from each other, we can't get offended that questions are being asked. Apparently Mm. there is something that is not being answered, and solutions have not been made. On this podcast, as we continue to, as Andre continues to co-host these segments with me, I really want to charge every last person to start to ask questions and to start to see solutions. Economic cooperation, even in your neighborhoods, community involvement is a big deal. Whether you're putting posters or papers on the door, asking surveys, start to find out what is missing. Whatever you see as a problem, start to see who else can align with you to get the Mm. solution. I do believe this election was a powerful change in numbers, period. Regardless of who you voted for, it showed and defined just like Barack Obama, just like when Trump was in office, Biden. We are showing amazing, one thing that's very clear, when people go, there is change, whether it's good or bad, it's change. And so we have to realize we've got to see the change. And no matter if it's just you by yourself, you have to find those alliances and start Mm. now. So I want to say thank you to Andre. You guys know, send questions, comments, everything on Tamar Talks podcast, whatever questions you may have. Um, I know Andre is going to be able to answer them very thoroughly. And if he doesn't have the answer, he will point you in the right direction. Is there anything? We will find it together. That's right. We will find it together. What do you have any final things to say? No, I just want to, you know, I just want to thank you for uh, for the invitation. And I guess the final thing that I would leave your audience with is to remember that everything is a resource, but the principal resource that we have is your attention. What you put your attention on is a resource. So the time you yeah. put to things is a resource. So you can put it to learning the most spectacular choreography for 16 seconds on TikTok, or you could find out how to buy and build school in your neighborhood both things are possible so whether you believe you can or you can't either way that you're right well that's i think that's that's a whole nother conversation but yes you guys please put some time into educating yourself and seeing the change not just educating yourself and harboring the information so 
Until next time, thank you so much, Andre Robinson, for joining Tamar Talks Podcast. And I cannot wait to talk to you again. We talk a lot. This is the Tamar Podcast. It's going to be a new day.
Cooperative Economics, everybody. It's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Once again, thank you to Mr. Andre Robinson for that insightful knowledge and information, a call to arms, a call to action. You guys go out and do anything and everything that you can do. Do it with love. It's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Thank you so much for listening to Tamar Talks. You can check me out and find out any more news on me on TamarDavis.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Ashley Tamar Music. Have so much exciting news coming up if you've been following me. I am now the brand ambassador for Atlas Ocean Voyages. As that rolls out, I cannot wait to invite you aboard with me in 2021. COVID safe, of course. Stay prayed up. Stay masked up. No excuses, you guys. Even if you don't have it, even if you did have it, please just protect the people around you and just do it in love. It's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Please enjoy this single from, he's like a little brother to me, but you know I love bringing on new music and new talent and new artists and people that I love and enjoy. His name is Leroy Cook. Go and follow him. Enjoy his new single. All right, you guys. Talk to you later. Sick. 
Let's make sweet music, baby. Let's make sweet music. 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 Let's make sweet